So we can't really uh, properly discuss or contemplate the Buddha's teachings without giving consideration of the Four Noble Truths. Dukkha, Dukkha Samudayo, Dukkha Niroda, Dukkha Niroda Gammani Padipada. So that's the Pali and all these words naturally uh, require some consideration. Dukkha, uh, often translated as suffering, stress, pressure, unsatisfactoriness, either directly painful or something that's it's not completed, doesn't quite work, uh, something puts pressure on the mind to you know, try to make things fit or work or more comfortable or more acceptable and so on. Dukkha is pressure. <clears throat> Even the pressure to, you know, have certain moods, pressure to be happy, or the, uh, <laughs> you know, as, as a constant. <laughs> you know, to be lively or to have good energy or good health, these are reasonable, but they're still pressures, aren't they? That we can't always occur. So, Dukkha. And uh, Samudaya, the origin of Dukkha, or how it comes welling up. Not just the historical origins, but how it arises, what's its condition and causes in the present for the arising of that sense of pressure, stress, and so on. Dukkha the the abandonment of the origin, the welling up, the overwhelm, the pressure. Dukkha gamani padipada, the practice path of integration, whereby you know uh, releases of pressure are understood. The domain, the domain of freedom has been touched into and there's a sense of, well, how do you bring this domain, the domain of realization, the domain of freedom, how do you bring that into your life? So it starts to adjust your thoughts and actions and speech and where you're coming from, your aims, objectives, and uh, even how you frame up mindfulness what particular topics or themes you bear in mind and how and and so on how you can then through that you know deepen and dwell in that domain of release and further that process through a lifetime integrating, living it adjusting one's life Shifting, deepening, bearing things in mind, looking at particular or giving attention to particular places where stress is arising, press is arising, being mindful of the Dhamma. And then getting through that, getting a sense of a deepening, realize, deepening that body. So 
just to kind of fourth over truth is very significant because it, it, I think what it suggests to myself, and of course this is one of many talks you may hear or read about the Four Noble Truths, so by no means is this the the final statement or even necessarily the most accurate, but it's, it's my statement or my consideration at this time. You know, that actually, the you know, this, so far you can get or you can develop in, in samadhi just in terms of meditation retreats, and those are great. But there are underlying conditions in your life or in our lives that need to be addressed and that take time and care and adjustment of one's mindfulness and attention. And they're not, you know, and we have to give attention to those so that our life off retreat becomes increasingly more astute and in line with really where the call of liberation is. Uh, and this means, yeah, so we're off retreat. And then, you know, so you, you actually have to do some careful attention, some wise reflection, some thinking, some adjusting, some choosing. You know, we have to get engaged with your life. And see, but then you find that the, the, the quality of samadhi becomes easier to enter because certain, you've re- actually begun to remove uh, conditions in your body, in your environment, in your life that place a continual pressure. Maybe subtle, but it's continual. And sometimes you don't, you don't even really notice it when you meditate because you go off the topic so you don't notice you know, the background assumptions of myself, my identity, my job, my family, who I am are still hovering in the background. Uh, and that's not meditation. But they still they have an effect. They're holding the, the field of our energy in a particular form. And they may not necessarily be that deeply grievous or miserable, but there's a certain pressure there. And, it, yeah. and I mean, something's not quite fitting or, or, you know, or was fitting ten years ago, but isn't fitting now. And then we come back into our, contemplate our life, think, well, actually, that's no longer relevant. Um, this I finished with, I think I would benefit from moving this way. And then actually, oh, that's interesting, something changed. <laughs> you know, we get, our life becomes suddenly, oh, this is a little more open, um, you know, a little more open, and then the, maybe the meditation itself may take a turn or two, and you're deepening. So integration, I think, is an important um, piece of uh, of our practice. I hope you really, uh, you know, understand that. And it's um, also it, it's not just even like an, any kind of model. Like, okay, good Buddhist does this, 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 this. But, um, yeah, I think there are certain themes. We do realize the, the value and the need for moral, moral integrity, the need for simplification, the need I, for perhaps for some body work, the need for friendship, kalyanamita, supportive, or at least non-conflictual relationships, and ideally supportive ones where you can feel a sense of sympathetic encouragement or even just affirmation 
Bill going, yeah. Mm. Rather than just being met with blank stares or, <laughs> you know, well, you know, have a popsicle instead or something. <laughs> you know, so that, that because it's, the, the thing that, with that point I'd like to, to make and perhaps center on is this quite a sympathetic resonance or primal sympathy which is a piece of language um, anyway to this means something there either externally internally that goes uh-huh, mm, yeah I feel that and just that sense of something either in yourself that oh yes I feel I sense that it's not making anything but it's just resonating with what's experienced this is the nature of, of citta uh, when it touches the conditioned realm and from that then this possibility of what I call loving acceptance arises yeah. and then maybe more fully the qualities of the Brahma Vihara arise from this fundamental sense of primary sympathy just sympathy means you, anukampa is the Pali word for it means you're, you have a resonance in the presence of experience you have a sense of getting it feeling it uh, and uh, letting yourself be moved by that it, easy, quite relative, perhaps easy with other people you can do that not so easy with yourself and other people you go oh yes mm, yeah, maybe you want to do something with yourself and you go well you know, uh, and that, that that's an obstacle because we've so learned to be ourselves and to do things that to just sit with ourselves with a sense of sympathy rather than criticism or constantly having a plan to change anything, just to be present with oneself with a sympathetic state is itself a. Um, comes from a certain depth of realization. And chitta is clear enough, not so driven, not so impacted with egohood. The self-image tends to block that. Because the self-image is making us uh, more concrete, and less resonant, more prepared and less open, more strategized and less intuitive, more competent and less caring. And the strat- the, the the self, this quality, this bedded self, is 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 by its nature is alone even alone to itself. Mm. And alone doesn't necessarily mean there aren't other people around. It means that it can't sympathize, it can't resonate. So there's a flatness and a certain inertia, a trapped quality of flatness. You just don't know what I feel really. doesn't, you know, that, that, that flatness. And just to say again, a primary simply doesn't mean we do anything. 
or change anything or anything really other than just to, to feel it more fully, be present with it. It doesn't mean necessarily the feelings are tremendously passionate or just the sense of um, you know a place where we acknowledge and bear in mind and you, you're able to listen to qualities of stress or release either those the the, the niroda the, the the sorry the samudaya the dukkha the samudaya the niroda with a sense of did you get that how does it feel do you get it did you really get it how is that lingering not rushing on, not just getting it and writing it down as an idea. But did you really get it? And this process will naturally will, will highlights because this is the jitta's fund primary language. It's saying something, but it doesn't use words. So we don't quite know what. It does, just doesn't. It feels not quite right, and you listen to that. What's what's needed, what's not needed, and you can't use words. So yeah, but then you know, then you you do get these kind of feelings for where felt senses of where the freedom would be, uh, and this becomes increasingly more accessible as one has peeled away. The, the encrustations of these layers of selfhood. Mm. Yeah. The less one is really, really committed to being, you know, a number, a name, a job, a function, a personality as something that's got to absolutely be what you are and work and so on. So the more that we meditate, I suggest, the more we begin to recognize that very personhood itself is not a solution it's a problem it's it's a it's a yeah it's a it's a um an attempt certainly an attempt to to relate to what is called the characteristics dukkha anicca dukkha anatta or dukkha as a characteristic anicca impermanence changeability uncertainty, things are always wavering, nothing's actually entirely secure. And anatta, we can't really reach out and, you know, get my world together. <laughs> and we can't exactly stop things happening in my space. The, the my bit about the world and the space and even the mind is uh, erroneous. Yeah. This means relationship becomes essential. You can't own, you have to negotiate sense with your own body, your heart, people around you. What's what's the most harmonious? Where does this thing settle? Yeah. So anatta means we don't can't just bulldoze our way through life or just you know, shrug your shoulders and get you know, hold hold something together. It doesn't work. You know, I mean, certainly people do it, but definitely uh, become numbed, sometimes arrogant, sometimes self-obsessive, sometimes just shut down in trying to hold everything, the world, in some 
fixed place, for situation in some fixed position, mm. to constantly be a certain person. Mm. And it creates pressure, particularly when the, you know, it's not just yourself that's wanting to be that, but every the people you're with expect you to be a certain person. You know, then, naturally, the pressure's on. Now, there's a difference between dukkha as a noble truth and dukkha as a characteristic. Dukkha as a characteristic is understood to be just the um, nature of condition, reality, the nature of what sense consciousness brings us, brings into awareness. It's, it's dukkha. It doesn't mean it's miserable. Sometimes it is miserable. It means something like it's incomplete, it always takes some handling. Rather than it supporting you, which it would look like it could do, it actually requires you, your energy, to support it. <laughs> yeah. So in your body, you know, you've got to do things to it, keep it going, um, and, and so on. So that's the, you can say, the, just the, the dukkha of conditioned existence. Uh, you know, by a lot, a lot of it we can do, we can manage, but it does mean there's a certain pressure there. And that's the characteristic. The the, the new, dukkha as a noble truth means one is is stressing out with that. Mostly because some will die or we're, we're wanting it to be more than it could be. We're wanting the body to be more than it could be. We're wanting the sense consciousness to give us something it can't. We want it to make us happy, satiated, completed, fulfilled, and it can't do it. It, it never said it could. It, but, you know, it produces some nice flashes and some warm glows and some interesting colors and da da da. But it, it can't satisfy the chitta so if you're asking it to or expecting it to or longing for it to or complaining it doesn't then this is the dukkha samudayo the arising and that's called craving and craving is this uh, 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 an energy that arises from the chitta and its, its confusion it tries to pull the items of sense consciousness in yeah, make me happy Make me comfortable, make me agreeable, make me something. You know, it's, it's a, the jitta in its confusion reaches out to perceptions, feeling, um, activities, activations, formations, small and large, bodily formation, uh, you know, the conditioned realm. And uh, this reaching out for it is the arising of the stress. You, it's not fair, you can't, it doesn't happen there. So this is the welling up. And that welling up is not just historical, it's in the present. You can, there's welling up of, the, of this energy to have, to hold, to draw in. And there's something addi- blind about it, like, you know, it's quite addictive. Because you do get, one does get pleasant and happy feeling. Yes, <clears throat> and agreeable perceptions, and yes, but you know, it's a it's a two-sided. 
you also get the unpleasant. And uh, that, so that the craving takes takes that all in, takes in qualities that are innately changeable. So you can't have it because it's like grasping water, just running through your hands. It's like feeding on air. You know, you just can't store it up. So that's uh, that's the limitation of the sensory consciousness and what it what it brings in. And uh, craving, you know, to to find the fulfilment within that that increases the stress and pressure. Mind gets caught because it. it reinforces a particular habit of that reaching out, reaching out, expecting, and then complaining, weeping, complaining, shifting, struggling, fighting, and then getting something, feeling happy, and then losing it and feeling lost again, and then we go again, you know. And maybe this is exaggerated, but something like that. Uh, so the, the Dukkha, that's the Dukkha Samudayo, and it's the called the it's about the aggregates, which if your average person doesn't even know what an aggregate is, let alone suffering. <laughs> That's how uh, why this is quite a, a deep teaching. You know. yeah. But then you can get some perspective on the feeling, how how attuned and how reactive we are to that physical feeling, mental feeling, emotional feelings. He's not being so interesting or comfortable or bright or and then mm, you know and that the, the resonance in the heart when it unpleasant feeling reaches it. And then, you know, trying to just get some other kind of feeling or, or not have it or be braver than it or something and this is rather than that we begin to when you see that even that causes certain pressure and isn't satisfying then the final thing we do <laughs> it probably is the final thing <laughs> something starts to let go this is Niroda So letting go is is probably the, the last thing you do, because in fact you don't even do it. It's uh, letting go is really an involuntary quality. Certainly, one's wisdom and one's mindfulness can assemble the picture, place it in front of the jitta. <laughs> Look, got it? He's <laughs> going. No, 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 no. No, no, look, got it. What, what about yes, but that too? What about no, no, no escape? <laughs> and then, rather, then the chitta can, if it's just if we stay attentive, that can. Okay. Oh, oh, gone quiet. That was it. <laughs> you know, there's this point, release point, and 
you know, it is a release point. Uh, and like everything else, there can be a kind of quite agreeable feeling that goes with that. The feeling is feeling. And then that changes, perhaps, recedes. So the first quality of, of the Niroda Satya is one gets a sense of perspective and or reorientation. It's not that you feel so great all the time. You get relief and understanding that something says, actually, this is true. You know, it's not your words don't say it, something in your heart says, yeah, but that's actually true. That's all you know. You know, there's a truth there, and the truth is much more than just the verbal accuracy. It's, it's like, such also means reality. You know, that's, that's the real, that's the ground, that's, it's like, that's a presence. It's a domain, it's not an idea. And you touch into it, and you... Oh, yeah. Niroda has to be uh, realized. And realized rather than, um, you know, thought. Fourth noble truth is to be caught. So these also the the ways where these were expressed. The Buddha, when he gave this, when he gave his teaching many times actually, but his, his initial presentation of it, he said dukkha that there is dukkha is is a noble truth. Now this may not seem particularly noble, <laughs> but the difference is rather than something wrong with me, I didn't get it right. Why is my life a mess? There's something wrong with him, definitely. <laughs> and them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, so, but then that's not the noble truth. That's called complaining. <laughs> About oneself or others. <laughs> so the noble truth is not something wrong with anybody, really. Although, to a certain level, that's true. But no, it's just... This is it. It actually is like this. You, oh, well, really? And so you, you know, so you begin to notice this characteristic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the pleasant times that. Oh, that was nice. If only. Oh, it's. Oh, 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 oh well. Bye. <laughs> 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 And then, oh no, I've got to do another, get another thing going. Oh dear. You know, so uh, this characteristic. A friend of mine said he gave up having, taking vacations because his, his, his vacation was expected to be happy. It was just too much pressure to try to spend months planning where you're going to be happy. <laughs> Working out where the happiness is going to be, which, which country, what situation is going to make you happy. It's just too stressful. Because <laughs> we got it never worked out the way he planned it anyway. You know, the weather changed and the food wasn't what he wanted and then he got sick and something or the other. So just, uh, just give it up. It's e- easier that way. <laughs> Yeah, so even th- these these times can also be dukkha, you know. 
because they're not you we can't plan the future and yet we want to so without anything well let it be what it is <laughs> you know and I'll, I'll work with it uh, you know, but then you have a sense of yeah in accordance with you know moral integrity and so forth so you see this is a, this this is a, which actually begins to cause a certain change in the mental trajectory it's no longer when it realizes that's that's it that's the nature of the field we're in anyway a conventional condition field is like that something starts that i'm not no longer seeking because i've understood that's that's the point and the second these four noble truths are given in three three stages the first is acknowledging that and then the second stage is dukkha is to be understood parinya parinya uh, so nya again is this knowing word and pari thoroughly so the word is parinye parinye yanti parinye so it means that should be fully got fully you know acknowledged fully real fully sensed fully um, known in this uh, more Gnostic way, more contemplative way. Oh, yeah. There's the sign. There it is. And then, for the Buddha, he's saying that has been understood. It means yes, this is the nature of conditioned conventional reality. It includes good people, bad people, things I like. You know, they're not wrong, but there's there always things are changing and and not quite completing and not quite meeting even in the best of times and things are unpredictable and it has been then there's something kind of as a pressure off to a certain degree because at least we're not going in a direction that's contrary to the way it is uh, and dukkha samudayo the welling up is to be uh, there is this so it's not uh, uh, we begin to recognize through practice and through contemplation and meditation this, this quality of dukkha in one's attitude. So the difference between dukkha as a con- characteristic and dukkha as a noble truth is that there's a kind of dukkha that one unconsciously introduces by not acknowledging the dukkha of conditioned reality. This is called the sankata dukkha. It's compounded through one's not being prepared to, not capable, not being able to acknowledge that. Therefore one is stressing, trying to make a square into a circle. Uh, Pushing a river uphill. So you begin through this, you begin to see, well, you know, he's like that, they're like this, life's like this is this, and he does that. I'm stressing out about it. Is there a, where can that point of stress be abandoned? Is the phrase. It's to be realized that it's not just that life is miserable, but something in me is making that, is generating stress that needn't be there. And if that is removed, then 
they'll be able to more peacefully coexist in that. That's perhaps all one imagines at first. So something to be abandoned, this thirst, tanha. And tanha works around certain premises to, to really observe and get to understand. So if you really understand and contemplate it, it does begin, it falls apart through, through wisdom, through wise, certainly there's a need to stabilize and get to the roots of mental behavior. So we're actually at that place where we can, you know, be aware of it. Yeah. What it really is, is the energy rising up. And then you notice that tanha is always, um, what I will get will be gratifying. What I manage to get away from will make me feel more comfortable. It's always postulating a future, it could be a second away. If I just move my leg, that would be the end of suffering. <laughs> I know you don't, but doesn't think this, but the heart is, just, oh, you know, you're like, oh, wow, that's great. And it, oh, yeah, it's all right now. Now my mind is dithering and rambling. Uh, don't like that either. If that would stop, I'd be okay. Yeah, we work with that. And if only the air conditioning was slightly different, I'd be able to meditate better. That changed, yeah. Okay, now, just need a little cushion, just a little bit more, then I'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so on. And then, oh, my shoulder's gone. <laughs> but if that was, a, you know, it's always postulating that moment of gratification that would occur would, would last. Because you do get these flashes of it when you get what you want. And it's, ah, and then, oh. So it postulates the future moment will be barring displeasure and increasing displeasure. And what we begin to, to realize, if you stay with it, is that the moment of gratification becomes extremely elusive. Uh, Because the really the energy really rises up at the moment when you're about to get what you want. That's when you're peaking. The moment just about to get what I want. Oh wow. And then you get it, you go, Oh <laughs> you just get to the, the peak of it is about to get it. And then as you, as you get the, what you want, it starts to dip again. So tanha only works if you don't get what you want. Then it can keep going. As soon as you get it, the tanha, the glow that tanha presents, evaporates and it finds something else. You notice that? Food, entertainments, romances, so on. It's all about the lead up to it. And then you get it, 
you can't quite get the glow anymore because the glow was of a certain anticipation. Once it's achieved, it can turn into something that's, you know, it's okay, but it isn't quite the bright glow anymore. Sometimes it fades rather quickly. This is extremely frustrating and always surprising. Always surprises. Oh, you know, I thought when I got that, that would be it. (laughs) And where did the glow go? So uh, this is so this, actually tanha is kind of self-defeating because it only keeps that sense of glowing energy which we which we associate with desire as long as it's not gratified. That's the way it seems to me. So check it out. This welling up. And this is more or less, you know, but then actually that welling up is not, is in the mind, in the, in the chitta. Yeah. It's not that, you know, people let you down. It's just your fantasies about people don't uh, are, fr- are disappointing <laughs> and then sometimes you know you, you get to the opposite oh people run, run, run. and then suddenly it's how, how how lovely they are <laughs> they're just not you know your one's perceptions are a problem yeah so it's not about rejecting either things as they are, it's about this non-fabrication of perceptions and imaginations and then, you know, it's surprising, things we think oh, this is going to be a waste of time, boring you know, I don't really want to do this and drop that and oh, that's interesting and I didn't realise that you know so this, this tanha works in two ways, both the pushing away of what we, our perceptual apparatus finds distasteful or not interesting, pushing that away and the dragging in what our perceptual system senses is, is gratifying and pleasing. Mm. And this this vibhava is the is the vibhava tanna the desire to push things away. Um, you know, that's really uh, strong, just as strong as the opposite. Karma tanna, bhava tanna, vibhava tanna. Karma tanna is direct, sensual, and bhava and vibhava to do with. Uh, our, our sense of what we come into the field of our experience, let's say. You know, when I first entered this uh, 
this particular way of life, the monastic life, it wasn't something that I had any particular pre-imaginations about. I didn't really have an idea about it being wonderful or anything, really. I just wanted to find somewhere I could stop running around and get down to some meditation, so I entered that. But then when I joined it, when I entered it, and you could, you know, the beauty of it is you come for three months, six months, a year, it's up to you. You know, you could move in, and then when you had enough, you could leave again, which I thought, well, that's fair enough. I can try that. It didn't ask you to make a lifetime commitment, or even any long commitment, which is very, very generous, actually. Then I had other people who joined up had this idea of it. Uh, you know, this is it for the rest of my life. And this is really, uh, you know, the holy life is supreme. Every one of them left. Because <laughs> 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 the monastery wasn't quite good enough for what they were looking for or something or the other, you know, some reason or other. Every one of them left. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, so I'll be here for a while until something better comes along, but it's okay, I guess. But I don't like this, I don't like that, you know. Can't see myself staying with this for very long. But then I started going, what are we going to do? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll think of something, I'll just meditate for now, and then occasionally I think, what are you going to do? I don't know, I'll just meditate for now. You've been here three months. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'll think of something, something else will come along, and I'll just keep meditating I suppose until hey nothing's coming along (laughs) (laughs) and you get these kind of wild fantasies of I'll live as a hermit up a mountain somewhere and live grow carrots and have goats and be decent and do something like that well dream on you know got more and more ridiculous the fantasies of where I was going to live this amazing life uh, now I learnt my lessons. Well, well, and then you know the things I didn't really want to be with. I didn't really going to ceremonies, ceremonies, going to you know mass meetings. I don't like mass meetings. And I can feel this. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, no, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've invited to go out to this thing. You go there and there's ten of you and you're sitting down the number eight, you don't say anything, you don't do anything go up the top of the line is doing everything, you sort of sit there what am I doing here you know, wasting my time, I could be meditating sitting here and da, 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 da. don't want to be with this it's kind of, don't want that don't want that, don't like this don't want to be with that, you shut up <laughs> What you don't want, like a kind of spoiled boy. And I realised that you know the spoiled—not I was this little tantrum three-year-old is still there. And what he doesn't want, turning his nose up with this, that, and the other, pouting. Well, I, don't, well, I can I can stop doing that, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then you just get recognise this kind of sourness. And what are you being so miserable about? You know, nobody's asking you to do anything. You don't have to come up with it and just sit there you know not, they're not asking you to be chatty friendly wise just sit there I'm wasting my time and we meditate well you know do it now 
contemplate the perceptions and feelings and mental formations that arise and, you know, see where the stress is and where, you know, you realize there's, there's, but you think, I could be somewhere else. I could be in my kuti, meditating peacefully. That's what I, you go back to your kuti, you're not meditating peacefully. Because there's other things, you know, I don't like this, I don't like that, craving for this, struggling. So, of course, when I'm sitting in this kind of boring ceremony, only meditating in my kuti seems like paradise. When you get into your kuti, it's not paradise. It's hot, it's boring, you know, your meditation's not going well. Uh, then you think, what was I fantasizing about? Well, another place would be good. You know, the mind can always do this. Is what it, though that we barber. Right now, you know, actually, it's not that bad, apart from what you're making of it. <laughs> it's not what you want. True, it's not what you want, but is it bad? No, just not what you want. Well, why don't you just? Let go of that, you know. And my mind's pretty stubborn. But you keep pushing, pacing that there. And eventually, this is the Neroda button. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's all right. And it's quite fun. Because they're having a good time. And uh, he's, uh, this senior person is obviously, you know, engaging with them in a responsive way. And it's got a lot of interest, you know, people are interested and it's quite it's quite joyful actually. <laughs> One's trying to come out of one's self bubble. You know, self me bubble. My space. My time. My life. You drop that and then oh, it's actually something interesting or something you can warm your heart to or something you can appreciate. Well you know He's obviously enjoying it. I'm not, but he is mudita. <laughs> you know, there's that possibility. Something begins to open, and when that crust of self, that wall of my life, my time, my space, drops, that wall drops. The heart it trembles, and then it starts to resonate sympathetically with, "Here we are. Life going on. Breathing in, breathing out." it's okay and then it gets more joyful enjoying because that that craving for all these reasons its rationalities and its projecting of fantasies has released and we find oh um, that quality of relief has turned into something fuller it has been, is to be abandoned, has been abandoned. Something fuller has arisen. I wasn't even expecting. You know, aspects of myself that had never really come to the surface. You know, start to change. I'm changing into a different kind of person. Not because I want to, but just because unawakened aspects of my mind are beginning to pop up, arise. The sense of the the rejoicing and the enjoying and the allowing and the convivial and the, these things which I never really had on the agenda. 
Yeah. I always thought meditation and practice was some, you know, serious thing where you get some mystical experience and bop. You're somewhere else, you know. Uh, and you could say it is like that, but it is surprising that somewhere else is actually right here. <laughs> but you've changed. Something has changed you. And now right here is a place of, of love and joy and humor and compassion and, you know, patience and acceptance. So it's it's kind of so um, it's rather sad, really, and and, and um, you know so often this people who don't understand Buddha Dharma see this always very negative. You know, life is miserable, search for extinction, the extinction of your of all feeling, <laughs> uh, and that that in the early twentieth century was how they understood. Late nineteenth century, this is the annihilation of the self. Go to extinction, where the misery of existence will no longer reach you. It's a kind of a, like a complete hit of morphine or something, <laughs> complete wipeout. <laughs> and so then uh, that was in the in West anyway. That was that was what these scholars figured it out to be nibbana. Uh, it's a complete eradication of everything. But then when you go to Buddhist countries, they don't look like they're eradicating, they're all kind of quite happy and generous and loving and Thais particularly, really kind of having a lot of fun. That is the religion. Thailand is fun. Sometimes it's Buddhist fun and non-Buddhist fun. But... And so you look at it, they don't look like they're they're neuroded to me, they look like they're quite there. And then even some of these teachers are pretty lively, frisky beings, doing all kinds of stuff that they're obviously enjoying, and so on. Uh, It's different. So something has, you know, there's changes that occur, but on the conventional level, what is manifest is something you know, quite expansive and accommodating and there's a quality of well-being in it, a supportive quality of well-being in the heart. I think, well, well, it's this neuroda bit then. It's the neuroda of tanha because all the energy of the jitta, instead of being compacted into this reaching out blaze, which gives you the glow of craving, it's an energy that reaches out in a quite a condensed form, projects a perceptions, that energy, instead of going down this kind of narrow goal orientation, has diffused. And now it's the energy of Tanha is transmuted into a quality of bright, radiant being, bright, radiant mind. Energy doesn't, it cha- you can change the container, you can change the vehicle of it. And when it's not pushing forward, or fighting, or resisting, or strategizing, the energy starts to diffuse, permeate. And as it said, you know, in the one of the 
the phrase. They don't long for the future. They don't. They don't hanker after the future. They don't regret the past. They live purely in the arising. Therefore, they are radiant. And a simple quatrain. You know, not hankering after the next moment. Not dreading the, the past. They live on the in the arising. Therefore, they are radiant. Because what's arising is not tanha, but the arising of the citta, and it's uncramped, not bounded by the self walls and locks. It's not bounded. It's called the boundless citta doesn't have those self-boundaries in it. Therefore it's radiant. Now, you know, and that gives us, there's a, there's, a, there's a subjectivity there. It's certainly intimately experienced uh, as, as presence, as the basis, if you could see, see what I mean. You know, there's a certain presence there that you can never really get because you are it, or if you like, putting it very colloquially. And the fourth noble truth then is has to be cultivated. So, you know, we've had the reality. So the niroda is a realize has to be realized, which means it is a reality. It's not an imagination. It's a reality. It's not an object of your mind. It is your mind. You know, at a level which you didn't even know before or couldn't conceive of before. The fourth noble truth, you realize, has to be cultivated. Bhāve tabanti is to be cultivated. And then the Buddha is saying, it has, for himself, it had been cultivated. And once he'd, once he'd gone through all these processes, he said, now I'm ready to teach, to present the Dhamma, because it... To know there is a cultivation, you know, so it's not just a flash in the pan moment which just dropped, where things dropped, but there's a, a path that sets up the conditions for that to occur, you know, and to be sustained. You know, we, so that requires banya wisdom, the wisdom and some thinking, yeah. You know, from a place of clarity, you start to review, and no, that isn't quite correct, and that's not in line, and yeah. So it's a kind of then you know the intellect comes in, but no longer is this kind of freaked out thing under the grip of craving and, and ignorance, but something that's the tool of wisdom. And we said, something has to be cultivated here. Something has to be carefully sustained, planted, looked after, nourished. And it may not be that big at first. It's like a little seedling. And you start to, that's what I'm nourishing and bringing up the path. So that this life can be integrated. And this is, you know, essential. Yeah. 
so we're not backtracking or zigzagging. <clears throat> or claiming, you know, I had an eroder experience ten years ago, I got it. Uh, no, that means you've lost it. <laughs> or it hasn't been integrated. Because it's a, if you've had an experience, who had the experience? Who was that? This is very, uh, again, this is, a, is a one of those snag things because the, the experience does happen. But as soon as the self comes in and says, oh, I've had an experience, then it wants another one. And it wants to do it again and we go back to the self mechanisms again. So we're not here to have an experience. We're here to allow experience to unfold. And just keeping that a path of non-self doesn't mean... You know, the elimination of the personality doesn't mean there's no subjectivity. It means we make careful attention to recognize where the clinging and the resistances occur in this condition, in this, in this, when this jitter comes into conditionality, where do the resistances and the clingings and the, where do they occur? And, you know, what is a skillful means to begin to place those carefully and, you know, soften around that. So this is always a practice of, you know, certain commitments we feel we really sense one has to make. To act, uh, you know, to set up conventional commitments, to act as guardians and protectors. Yeah. So we make condition commitments in the conditioned realm to act as guardians and, and protectors against this force of Mara which even the Buddha said after his enlightenment Mara was still hanging round poking and pestering right to the day he died Mara was still on his tail yeah so it's there it's in it's called the Kanda Mara there are four kinds of Mara the Kanda Mara is, is this, these aggregates are always presenting places of, of deception and tanha and imagination. And we have to work with those. We have to work with our ability to plan the future in a way that knows it's this, this is planning the futures like this. And being on, the, on guard, because it's a condition that can serve as the source or the place where ignorance and craving takes root. It doesn't have to. Yeah. So in the book it's sometimes expressed in, in the suttas again very vividly, these tanha these aggregates if they're not understood are like fire assassins. Or you take into your house thinking you're friends and they eventually stab you. But if they are understood, they're like your servants. That's very, you know, turn it. The condition, the kandamara, the condition, condition aggregates, if they're not understood, held carefully, wisely restrained, wisely contemplated, wisely used to bolster up, to firm up uh, the, the resistance against craving, yeah. then... Yeah, if that, yeah, then if that's done, then they can be a, if that is accomplished, 
then they can be a blessing. Because mm. we have to live in this candor world. Mm. So, you know, Kilesa Mara is the Mara that uh, is to do with direct defilement. You know, particular obsessions and phobias that you begin to notice. You know, the real phobia for this and the addiction to that. Where we go into our, no, 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 no. <laughs> our pout or our defensive pattern. Uh-huh. There's a Mara pushing. You start to, I don't have to believe in that. Just try. Kilesa Mara. Um, yeah, so this is to be cultivated. Yeah. Uh, the other Mara is just for the record, is Mara of death. We have to meet that. The perception, the understanding. Uh, others will die, I will die. Uh, that sense of decay, pain, distress, loss. What's that do to you? And the other one, really interesting, is called Deva, Deva Puta Mara. And this is the Mara, uh, like a, like a, Deva Puta is a young prince. Uh, glory, uh, fame, reputation, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On various levels. So, you know, then the, so the path is always a certain, you know, careful, modesty, restraint, humility, you know, working within the limitations. Uh, you know, we, we are living in a limited world, working with the limitations, being generous, patient, not going to these constricted patterns or these overreaching patterns. And this is to be cultivated, you're finding your way. Yeah. So, as I've spoken for a very long time this morning, um, and, you know, the Four Noble Truths are things you can study in many different ways. So that's just the personal angle on it. I do encourage contemplation, though. This is the, you know, the, the really the rich center of the Buddha's teaching from which everything else emanates. So I'll leave that for your reflection this morning. Thank you.